I'm Carlo, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo, and this is my podcast. With this project, I want to explore the means, methods, tools, and examples of living on purpose, living the life we want, doing the things that light us up, things that make us feel like we're alive, growing, making a difference, and enjoying the process along the way. Welcome to It's the Journey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to It's the Journey. As always, I'm your host, Carlo Pietro Sanfilippo. So, if you did not listen to the last episode, episode number 50, you may want to pause here and go back. It's not mandatory. You don't have to. I'm not the boss of you. But <laughs> this is the second of two parts with Amanda. So, Amanda is an author who is... Uh, uh, has a new book coming out next March called Overdue, Reckoning with the Public Library. And in that episode, we dove into what that was all about and what was her experience of working as a librarian and what she learned and the story she wants to tell about how libraries are filling a role in our society and the social safety net and and working as you know, often librarians are filling roles that social workers um, maybe should um, because of, of um, some of the issues we have in our system. And it really, really was enlightening to me just when I read, when I was preparing for that interview and preparing, preparing for that discussion, I, I learned so many things and it made me so curious. And I got to dive into all those questions with her um, because I have to wait till March for the book to come out, which is when it, when it comes out. So um, if you're curious in the meantime, go to uh, amandaoliver.com and check it out. You can read a little bit about her and a little bit about the book and go ahead and place your pre-order for the book there or your favorite local bookstore or wherever you like to buy books. But do that. Give her a follow there and on Instagram and you'll be, you'll be uh, um, informed as to what's going on. But uh, I paused... I, I said this at the end of the last episode. I paused this one. It was we we um we had a great long conversation and I paused it and broke it into two pieces because the second half was is very different where we dive more into uh Amanda's process as a writer and, and talk a little bit about mine and then just a lot of things about life in general that I think are useful and interesting and fun. And I wanted to keep them in there. Uh but it made sense to, in my opinion to break it apart. So that's what I did. So with all that, let's, uh, we'll dive back in and, uh, finish our conversation with the amazing Amanda Oliver. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't wait to get my, my copy of your book. It'll be in March. And I ordered it from left bank books, which is like one of the few little like local bookstores that are still around. So, and I can ride my bike there. So I'll ride my bike and pick up your book next March and uh, read that as I begin the new phase of my life. Um, speaking of which, uh, you're, so somehow you went from Buffalo to DC and now you're in the desert. Let's like, how did, what's going on there? 
Yeah, no, it's been a long trip. I've lived a bunch of places in between. I left Buffalo right after I graduated from my MLS program. And I lived in New York a little bit, then DC, then Vancouver Island, then Seattle, then back to DC. And then, then I ended up out this way. But I, uh, I moved to California. The book I moved out here to write had nothing to do with libraries. Um, so when I applied to my MFA programs, I was uh, thought I was going to be working on a book about the idea of home with like a capital A. Uh-huh. So like, and what that looks like. And then that is not the book I wrote. Wait, um, time out. Yeah. Is that why you were in like a, a dead psychologist's house writing? Was that a real thing? Or was that a, no, I wasn't that sure was if real. that was fiction that or was a real. writing, okay. no, a writing residency that I had. And it was um, a, a really wonderful family. And their father was a, a psychologist and they give his house up as a residency. And I, uh, I'm like a weirdo and I ended up there and like I was working on writing, but then I kind of went into his office and I like all of his books were there of like treating different disorders and, and uh, his notes. And I ended up like spending one whole day of this two weeks, like in his reading chair, wow. kind of going down this rabbit hole. So yes, I, I always sort of say it, like the library book is one type of writing it's a, like a very nonfiction type of writing. And then most of my other body of work um, is much more reflective and dreamy prose. And mm -hmm. so that's what I came out. I thought I was going to leave libraries behind and come out here and focus on that. And then that's not the way that that went. Yeah. But coming full circle, I, uh, I did my MFA. I ended up doing that for three years. And in my second year, I was supposed to move to Los Angeles I was ready to get out of, I was living in Riverside um, and then the pandemic hit and that was March. And then on, in April, I sold the book and I had to sit with myself and think, okay, <laughs> for the next uh, year, do I want to write in Los Angeles in a, in a city that I've never lived in, probably in a small apartment, or do I, do I want to move out? Um, to the desert. And I had been coming to visit here for about six or seven years. So I used to fly from DC when I could save up enough money and had a vacation. I would come out to Joshua Tree. It was just like, a very oh, wow. grounding, yeah, grounding, peaceful place. And so as with so many people, when COVID hit, I like, you know, uh, I had some internal questions to answer. And one of them was, you know, where do I want to write this book. I, mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be traveling and writing it in libraries and talking to librarians and that was gone. And so I, I moved, I moved to the desert. Um, and I've so, been here for, yeah, like a year and however many months now. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of back to now that the book is done, um, working on some of the things that I had started working on a, a few years ago, which are quite different from the library book. More like writing projects. Yeah, yeah. I've started a, a second book, which is the one that I thought I was going to write when I first moved out here. So, Yay. Yeah. What's your what's your writing ritual? Like, what do you got to do? Like, you write in the morning, you write in the evening, you got to you gotta have, like, what's your deal? You know, I didn't I, have I had, one. Yeah. No, no, I didn't have one until, uh, until I sold the book. And then I was like, I better get my shit together. <laughs> I need to have, I need to have a routine. <laughs> I, was, I was one of those people kind of obnoxiously who would like, when the mood struck or I had a good idea, I could sit and write for hours and I'd finish a whole piece. Most of my essays I wrote in one sitting and then spent- Which are beautiful. I'm gonna put links, I'm gonna put link to your website. And if you, if you like essays, 
uh, Amanda is writing is just is beautiful and raw and and human is the word that that just kept striking me. So mm. I highly I highly recommend that. So I, I'll put a link to that. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, and I and I I love that writing. And I'm I'm if I'm honest, I'm really happy to to get to return to that. But those essays, yeah, they were most of them are in one sitting and then with a good bit of stretched out editing. But the the book was, you know, it's not that I I usually take a walk. I live next to um, uh, BLM land, so Bureau of Land Management. So it's land that they bought up to preserve uh, areas. So my landlady lives right next door to me and our houses are the last houses before uh, all BLM land. So I get up, yeah, I get up most days and I make a cup of coffee and I walk out into open desert and there's a mountain that's right behind my house called goat mountain that I love. Yes. (laughs) And so I I try and like, I go for a walk, I I stretch, I come back once the caffeine is hit and then, you know, I try and sit down, but, um, and then you sit down for like a period of time or pages or do you have a or just till you feel like you're done till I feel like I'm done um and what's interesting about a book is you know you have you have a deadline in mind so I I would break out I would break down weeks like I want to work on chapter one for these two weeks and then I want to work on chapter two for these two weeks Mm -hmm. um but as I begin this second book with the knowledge of how the first book went um I'm in like the phase that I call like information gathering. So I haven't started putting anything into a word doc yet, but uh, I have multiple notebooks where I'm just sort of jotting things down that fall into the themes that I'm after. And um, I make lots and lots of audio recordings. So if somebody starts talking about something that makes me think it relates to what I wanna write about, I, I record, I have many, many like, frantic notes in my in my iPhone and I used to be really critical I was like that's not writing but that that's all part of it and when I teach writing I say that like you know all of it's part of it so I'm in the gathering phase which is my favorite and then I'll get down to the like meeting myself at the desk and and writing each day as much time as as I can sort of handle what can I ask what's your what your process is like so um, I had never written a book before and I just felt, I felt pulled to write one. And so I, uh, for my first book I wrote, I, I worked with a writing coach and she oh, cool. helped, she helped me um, put my ideas down into uh, like a, 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 an outline that was then my, that were then my chapters. And since I had never written it and my book is, it's, it's my, it's a vulnerable story about me. And I, I, the, the book itself ended up veering very far away from the outline because it took me a little while. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it, it took me, it took me my, it was my fourth chapter before I even felt comfortable writing, knowing that she was going to read it. Like I I didn't feel comfortable, like writing any of this down. And then Mm -hmm. by then all of a sudden she's like, I don't know what happened, but keep doing that. And then she's kept giving me good feedback and it, it rhymed with what I started with, but it ended up going in a very different direction. So, so what I, after I had those outlines, I would get up and go down to this little cafe that's down the street. And I would kind of, well, I would look at the outline page for that chapter and kind of stew on that as I went for walks and whatever, and do the same thing. If I, something came to mind, I would jot it down and write it down and write it down. And then I would sit down for a week or two and write a chapter and then send that to her. And then I'd start the next one, the next one, the next one. Um, 
and I'm trying to write my next one and I have the outline done, but I guess, I think I was talking to you earlier, the, the cafe is like so crowded. There's let there's less seating and more people and everybody's so excited to be there. It's, and so, and then my library doesn't open till 10 or 11. So, so that's past my window. Uh, yeah. And I'm trying to end this other career. So I've got like, yeah. so my brain's a little full. So I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm, I, I keep coming back to like writing down things that um, I want to make sure that are in there. Or sometimes I'll see a quote that sometimes a quote by whoever summarizes in a sentence what I want to say. So that will be some, some there's quotes at the beginning of my chapters, but sometimes I would read those and go that, that that's the essence of what this thing is about. And I would, right it, from there it cracks everything open i, mm -hmm. I have uh, each chapter of my book has a quote at the beginning too that, that did that that served as sort of a, a constellation or a, a north star for for each chapter that makes yeah. that makes total sense. i love that i love the wording of you said it rhymed with what it started with where you did the outline and then oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I think i think most writers um so when you i sold my book what's called on proposal so you put together a proposal and you say why you're the best person to write this book and what it's about and what your background is and then you give a sample chapter or two but you usually give chapter outlines and uh for the first five six months that I was working on it I was trying to stick to those chapter outlines that I and I was like it took me a while to be like, oh, this isn't right. Like, this isn't the way that I, that I, that this works. It can't be this way. And I remember sort of checking in with my editor and um, just not realizing that that's so common. Okay. So even yeah. you put together a proposal and you sell your book that way, that uh, it, it changes all the time. And, you know, I, I would assume this is true for you. It is certainly true for me. I am a totally different person than the one who I was when I started writing the book. Yes. Well, it's a transformation. It, it is. And then also like, cause I wrote the book after like, you know, 10 years ago, I went through like this three and a half year period where my parents died and I got divorced and all these things happened. And it was, you know, two or three years after that, it, I had never thought about writing a book. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you're a little kid, there's all the things you think you like, you could be an astronaut or a forest ranger or write a book and there are people that write books. And I never, I knew that there was things that people did, but I never thought that I would for whatever reason. Um, but there was somewhere after this process where I had learned so many things and it felt good and people were asking me questions. And a part of me was like, I think there, it literally felt like there was a book in me. Like, I just kept feeling like, I think there's a story here that yeah, I want to tell or I could tell, but it, it took it took more time of healing and growing and learning before there was a little bit of space. And some of the lessons had set in in a way that I could tell it versus when I was in the middle of all my stuff. And it's um, tricky because it, trying to determine uh, when the right time is then to finally take pen to paper or hands to keyboard and there's a part of me, um, and again, I think every writer, especially nonfiction writers, go through this of like, God, what would this book look like if I had waited five years and then wrote it? And that's yes. what I, you know, but but the, the the tricky, 
everyone feels that way. And of course I could rewrite this book in five years and it would be a very different book because I've had more time. I've had more reflection. I've had more healing, but that's, you know, that's not the nature that's not the nature of books. You, you mm-hmm. write it during the time you write it. And then by the time the publishing and all like has happened, oftentimes like a whole other year has passed since you've written it. And it's like, there are some things that I'm not even sure I fully, I don't feel the same way, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a, a snapshot. It's a snapshot. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's some great quote from Rebecca Solnit that I'll, I'll butcher, but she sort of makes the something about how, um, you know, that stars shine and, and we still see the shine long after they've sort of died and makes that comparison that that's often how a writer's book is, is like you're reading what they were obsessed with two and three and five years before mm-hmm. uh, by the time it, by the time it publishes. And of course, I still care very much about what I did and what I wrote, but um, you know, I'm a, I'm, I, life keeps moving. Exactly. <laughs> I I had the like I did a I just uh my audio book just came out like I just got yeah. done but I had to read I had to read the whole thing and I hadn't oh, read it. Heard Oof. that is tough. It was brutal, man. And then some of the things I wrote that I'm still I read it in my head and it sounds great when you try to say it out loud. I was I remember pausing me like who wrote this garbage because yeah. I'm like just it's not it's not written the way we speak you know so no uh, I know I struggle with that a lot and if we I want to be the one to do my audiobook and and my if I feel terrible because my editor asked me to send a sample of me reading it like months ago and I haven't done it because every time I sit down I get so frustrated that I'm like well this isn't how it sounds in my head I'm gonna say it out loud but I wrote it so yeah. how is that possible yeah and I've just heard recording an audiobook is exhausting it takes so long yeah I recommend like I for me two hours was the max because I tried my first session I scheduled for three and I was exhausted your brain gets tired your eyes get tired and then like my engineer knew what audible expected in terms of quality so he would stop me sometimes I'd read the sentence perfectly be like I heard a little bit of a noise did you touch your pants did you because like if you like I'd have to like put my hands on the podium because if my hands were on my legs and I moved it, it you'd hear that, you know, oh, you, you and I can't hear, but the mics are so sensitive yeah. or, you know, your mouth gets dry of course, and then it makes these gross clicking sounds that you and I are oh, hearing yeah. now, oh, but they're funny. there. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I was starting to say that I've had, I know of at least one friend who passed out, fainted during recording their audiobook because so, yeah, yeah. it's so much. I'm not looking forward to that if that happens. <laughs> Which I just, yeah, block it in small times and practice and be, be hydrated and bring apples. That was the key. Like I started to say, like, uh, it makes this gross clipping sound, but like if you eat a little slice of an asshole, apple, uh, <laughs> it, it coats your mouth in a weird way. It's yeah, like yeah. tricks that they use for musicians and stuff. Um, I am allergic to apples, so I'm going oh, no. to have to find an alternative. Like, Somebody else told me that, and I forgot that. Yes, I'll have to like a, a pear, tea. maybe. I don't know oh, about the pear. Okay. There was a tea that he had me drink. I could, if you needed it, let me know. Uh, it like kind of yeah. coat. It's like, yeah. Um, I need okay, let's talk about because I think this applies to people because I know. Well, it, it, as I was when I when I did this. Um, Again, I had never written a book. I never knew I would write a book. I didn't know if I could. Even after every chapter I wrote, as they got better 
as my, as it started to flow, cause I hadn't written anything longer than an email since college. I love to write in college, but I, I just hadn't. And so each one I wrote, even if I was really proud of it, I thought, well, maybe that's the last one. I don't, I don't know if I can, <laughs> I can do this again. And so I really yeah. didn't, I didn't tell many people. And then sometimes, mm. and I'm, I've become this way more with some, a lot of some of my bigger dreams because sometimes I think I saw a tweet by you once about that. Like you mentioned, like when you wrote a book, everybody's like, I'm writing a book. Or if, if I said I'm doing this, then people either tell me that they are too. And they want to just talk about that. Or they tell me how they tried and failed. And then all of a sudden I'm like coaching them while I'm still trying to gain and hold my own confidence. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, what kind of, cause I, I think, I think it's big and I think it's a scary, but also awesome thing that, you know, when, when, like in your example, you stepped out and you did this thing. That's not, that's awesome. Um, but how did you kind of protect your confidence as you worked your way through it? Oh, I'm still, I'm still working on that one, to be honest. Uh, it, I had a moment the other day that again, I, I thankfully have a really great group of friends who are, who are also writers who I can turn to who have published one or multiple books and I have great professors, but, uh, right after I turned in like final, final copy edits to my, to my publisher, I was like, oh, did I like rethinking major, major pieces? Like should chapter three have even existed? <laughs> I'm like just panicking and, and, and thank God I have a wonderful publisher and a, an amazing editor who's become a dear friend who was able to say, this is so common for people to, to feel this way um, when you do it. But I do think that is rooted a bit in, yeah, it's a wildly vulnerable thing to write nonfiction, period. Mm -hmm. Like I said, as I was a librarian, I was regularly writing. I never, I never really stopped. Um, so I had 10 years of practice and, and I published many essays that were personal, um, but that's a, that's a smaller scale. Than a, than a whole book. And I, uh, I, maybe I tweeted it, maybe I said it to a friend the other day, but I was like, you know, it, it feels like saying a book is like, here's my brain. Do you like it? Yes. Um, yes. And it's like, I have been spending a lot of time and I'm still sitting in it, just making peace with, um, like anything, some people are not going to like it. And, uh, that when it's so raw and it's so vulnerable and it is your story, um, that feels like a, a little bit of a rejection of you, at least to me. And um, I'm doing a lot of like meditating and um, I work, I go to acupuncture and I work with an acupuncturist on somatic experiencing, which is like an alternative form of therapy where you work on uh, trauma sort of in the body and it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be like capital T trauma, but, but small things. And, and, you know, I'm sort of, I said to her yesterday, I saw my acupuncturist that I'm sort of building up my defenses in, 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 in like with March coming down the pipeline, if I want to be in a, in a really solid place, um, in internally with, uh, I did the very best I could. I told the story as best I could. I, I trust my integrity. I trust that I have very good intentions um, and being able to, to stand um, firm in that. But I think most writers would tell you that the, 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 the confidence part is, is one of the hardest 
things. And I think it's all writers of all genres, but especially nonfiction, you know, I just like, I keep going back to that line of like, here's my brain. Do you like it? Um, yeah. nope. And you no, know, some people aren't going to, and that, that does not mean it's invalid or you wrote a bad book or you wrote a bad piece, but it is, um, it's a very hard thing to sit with. And there's many layers to it, you know, like sending my parents a chapter that I, about my childhood that I knew, would be really tough for them and, and navigating that really hard conversation and, and, you know, removing some pieces and then fighting to not fighting, but, uh, you know, making my case for, I think it's really important that this is there. Um, no, it's a lot of like, um, it's a lot of hard work to do and, and writing such a solitary thing. And then it becomes very yes. not solitary, you yeah. know, it's back out in the world and you're like, this thing that you've been carving away at and you're so protective of and you've worked so hard on, it, it takes on a different form when it, it gets into other people's hands. And that was my biggest moment of panic was when my, my advanced reader copies, my arc started going out and I was like, oh, people are going to read this. And it's I like know. A, whole, a whole point, but it's a terrible, like very complicated and I'm a very sensitive person and it is just kind of a perfect storm, but it is, this is one of my greatest uh, life lessons. Oops. Can you still hear me? Okay. I, I can. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's one of my greatest life lessons. And, and um, I, in 2011, my first year as a librarian, I got a fortune cookie on a really bad day. I remember I was sitting in my like back office in the library and I was crying and I was Aww. just like in it. And the fortune cookie said, um, you will stumble into the happiness of your life. And I was like, Ooh, okay. And I, for some reason I kept it. And I don't even remember it being that profound or impactful to me at that moment, but I taped it to that wall. And it was the only thing on the wall in that office. It's like sad office. <laughs> yeah. Windowless, I, I remember imagining. Yeah. Oh, it was absolutely yeah. windowless. <laughs> um and I and I kept it there for the three years I was at that school and then I took it with me when I left and I and I just every job that I had I, I taped it to the wall and um it's somewhere in my house now and it used to be taped on every wall in my house and then with this last move it ended up somewhere else but uh that that's what that like if I had to describe everything I've stumbled into to to all of this including uh including this book and whatever comes comes after it and I I'm like I think that's the way to do it yeah no that, that's that's super my my experience as well I mean first of all like you said here's my brain do you like it and and like you said writing's a solitary experience like I I had to fight with myself is like is this something I can do is this something I should do and then finally I gained enough confidence to like share openly with my editor and she was saying nice things but then the you know the imposter syndrome guy in me was like that's her job. She's just being nice. You know, like she, it's not really good. It's, just, so it's like, you know, and then, um, then when she's like, this is your book, it's done. Oof. I, I, I like had like 48 hours of like, not full, like panic attack, but my, everything in my brain was like, you cannot yep. put this into the world. You have no right to do this. No one will care. No one will like it. And all, all the things were screaming at me. And then I was like, 
but that's the point of it, isn't it? Like that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be brave and help other people do that. And so not everybody, not everybody does that in their life. And, um, and that's okay, but I, I, I don't, I want to be the type of person who, um, takes, takes risks and maybe messes up and maybe doesn't, um, I don't, I don't want a life that doesn't involve, um, some risks and, and high stakes and potential for, for big losses. Um, and I did, I've read a little bit about what your book is about. And I related that um, in a lot of ways, the years that I was a librarian were my, were my safe years, especially in the public schools. You know, it was a government job. Um, I had a a good salary. I had benefits. I had a lot of stability, even though the job was often chaotic. And, um, and I, I, I wasn't happy um, Mm -hmm. for, for a lot of those years. And I didn't even know it. I didn't even know it. And then it took, um, I remember when I applied to the, the MFA program, my, my deal with myself was if I don't get in anywhere, I will commit to being the best librarian I can possibly be. But if I get in, I am going to work at my ass off to be the best writer I can be and to make this dream sort of happen. And it was terrifying. And, you know, like I moved my life cross country and, and many, many things happened. And, um, and when I talk about that fortune cookie and stumbling, I feel like there's been some stumbling ever since, but stumbling into the happiness of my life. And uh, that's a process. I'm not done. I didn't land there. I'm not like in gymnastics, ta-da, pose at the end of it. Like I'm still stumbling, but the stumbling, I would rather be doing that than being a stationary rock, you know, yes. somewhere halfway up the the mountain, if that makes sense to makes have a perfect sense. <laughs> I'm just so joy- stumbling into the happiness of life. Like, it's like, it's not, again, that's the whole, that's where, that's at the point of this, podcast is it's the journey it's not about finishing it's not about a certain net worth it's not about the 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 certain picture you took on vacation it's the damn process that's what people enjoy people so many people were excited about that time when they were little and they they scored a touchdown or they were the captain of this or that or they went on this one trip that one time it wasn't that great or they are so excited about their high school or college years i think because it's a it's such a condensed intense journey where you come in as you're a freshman and you don't know anything and you're scared and you're little and then you grow up and you get a little bit of confidence um and then somehow ha- something happens after college or school or whatever it is when we start our quote adult lives and we get comfortable and then we're afraid to take chances again we're afraid yeah. to get hurt we're afraid what if i look dumb what if i make a mistake people people comment about that about with learning a language they're like i could i could never do that because i would sound dumb and i sound like an idiot i i've said i've accidentally stumbled into every bad word because (laughs) with italian like one letter (laughs) it'll turn from something completely harmless to something that would make uh you know a sailor (laughs) blush you know Uh, and it's okay i don't care i mean people laugh and we have fun and if they if you know you can't, like I tell people, you can't be afraid to be a freshman. You can't be afraid to look dumb because that's when you're learning and growing. And, yeah. and if you're, 
Yeah. So I, I, there was a thing in my book about this, this guy I met that said, um, talk to, talk to give this analogy of you know, like us and fruit. And he's like, if you're, if you're green, you're growing, if you're ripe, you're rotten. And so he's like, when, when a fruit, when, when fruit is done, like you got like a day to eat a banana or an avocado and then it's gone. Right. Especially yeah. avocados. I've got a, yes. I'm a, Ugh. I'm in a complicated relationship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I love that. If you're ripe, you're rotten. Yeah, yeah. And I think the perfect analogy of the, the freshman, like, I don't think it occurs to a lot of people and we exist in a society that like makes it so that it doesn't occur to us that uh you can have that feeling again and again it's okay to um change gears and I struggled a lot with this I like my family would never see it this way and I don't think it was ever fair to them for me to say this but I used to be like I'm the black sheep um and I don't actually think and again they love me wildly and and they wouldn't think of me that way but I felt that way and I think what it was is just I every couple of years I'd move to a new city and and do an, a new thing um and I was always trying new kind of big things and I there was a lot of resistance from people around me or I think they 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 wanted me to have a, a quote-unquote stable life and and I tried it right I tried it I tried it and I did the the government job and um but every part of my being kept being like well what what would it be like to go live there for a while and be this way and yeah. uh, and that that's been really fascinating and and right now what's interesting is um this is the longest I've lived in one place in quite a few years and I'm kind of experimenting with okay what does it mean to what does it mean to stay stationary or still in one place, but, uh, living my life a little bit more, you know, I don't have a, a normal job, you know, I do a bunch of odd jobs and I, and I write and, and what does that look like? But that's fun to me too, experimenting yeah. with well, what's it like to, to live in a, a really small community for a while and, and, and ride that out and see what that's like. But like, I'm, I'm never opposed to like in five years lifting up and, and moving somewhere else and doing something else. And maybe I'll get older and that won't be as fun or appealing, but I, I don't know. Like as of right now, that's the way that I like stumble. Exactly. And happiest. Yeah. No, that's the, 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 the piece of my life that I'm, I'm getting ready to step into feels very much like that. And, and it's very, it's very, um, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable when they like, well, but where, you know, cause I'm retiring from this 27 year career. People are like, well, what are you going to do? Like, what one person like asked me, like, so are you just going to be like a bum? Are you just going to be a, a vagabond? And I'm like, yeah. maybe sort of, I mean, and that's, so, <laughs> you know, that's, so, um, I, yeah, I think, I don't think that that's, it's taken me a long time to come to that, but I don't think that's a bad thing to be. Yeah. Um, but the people, the people I had, I, I, I didn't realize this until recently, um, uh, the people I admire the most that I'm most fascinated by lived lives like that. The artists that uh, artists that traveled all around the world or lived in different cities and, and, and people like Ben Franklin that traveled back and forth across the ocean and was in Europe and England and France. And, and they, they weren't in one spot spending every weekend cutting the grass and cleaning the gutters. And if that's what you love to do, then you're winning and you're doing the thing. But I don't think most people like that, but it's comfortable and it's easy and it's what everybody else is doing. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, 
um, we could talk for like three more hours and it would be super fun. Uh, So I, I, uh, we talked about this at the beginning, but I think definitely we're going to have to do an episode in uh, Joshua Tree somewhere, maybe on Goat Mountain. I've got a portable recording device, so maybe, maybe we'll do that and uh, just watch out for, are there actual goats there or is it just, is it a legend or mystery? No, there are goats in the park, but not not where I live that I know of. I don't okay. know why, and I don't need to look it up. I don't know why it's called Goat Mountain. They may it was like a mining mountain, so it could be that they used goats as working animals. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, it, <laughs> I, I, off the coast of get here. <laughs> uh, off the coast of Naples, there's the Isle of Capri. You've probably heard of that. Uh-huh. That just means the island of goats. I don't know if there was. Oh, I didn't think yeah. there were goats there. Not, not anymore maybe they're maybe they they were goat herders back there years ago but that's that's what yeah. <laughs> that's what that means <laughs> I, I like these places and mountains named after goats of the past I exactly right goats, goats <laughs> back when uh, goats yeah goats were more uh played more prominent role in society <laughs> yes <laughs> all hail maybe the goats we need more goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, Amanda, uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, um, like I said, I will post uh, information on your website and pe- how people can find you on Instagram and Twitter and all the places. And uh, like I said, my copy will arrive in March, so I can't wait to read that. Maybe, maybe that's when we talk after I've had a chance to read your book. Um, but then I also want to catch up on what else, what else is happening in the desert and, uh, goat mountain and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, so everybody, uh, check out Amanda Oliver's web, it's just amandaoliver.com, right? Mm-hmm, so yep. check out amandaoliver.com and then you can, uh, order the book there or wherever you like to get your books and, um, go to your library, support your library. Yes. Uh, it, they're important institutions and they need our help and support, um, and, uh, and, and educate yourself on what other services that uh, are being happening there and see how you can help out. So oh, thank you so much, Carlo. What a pleasure. Actually, it was my pleasure too. So, well, thank you for joining me. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful day with your writing or whatever else you have going on. So, you too. Okay. So. Okay, everybody, that is a wrap for my second of two parts with Amanda. And I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was, it was so fun. Um, it's always fun to, to dive in and listen to people's stories about what they're doing. And it's also, it was also uh, fun to hear, um, when this, in this case, you know, as a writer, listen to her process and what she's done and how it worked and compare that and, and, and not, not compare it, but just contrasted or whatever, whatever the right adjective is there um, to how I did it. And it's going to be different for the next 10 writers, uh, though pieces of it may be similar. And whether it's writing a book or whatever it might be, um, I, I always just love hearing different references and different people's experiences and what the, what worked and what didn't and what they were scared of and what they were um, what was difficult um, because uh, on the outside, it's always easy to look at something and be like, wow, they, this person did this thing and and not understand the struggles that they went with or maybe elevate 
the struggles beyond what you think you can do for yourself. So to me, it's always helpful hearing what how somebody overcame something, how they handled it and how they dealt with it and how they, no matter what, there's always a tribe of people helping them. And in Amanda's case, she said she's got a circle of friends that are writers and professors that she checks back in with. And in both of our cases, we had editors and there's, it's always a team of people that are there in some way um, for every, you know, that, that help us help push us and lift us and carry us, uh, you know, towards whatever we're trying to do, which is why it's so important to remember that when, when, um, when you can in some way help somebody as they are stumbling into the happiness of their lives as, uh, Amanda. So, um, put it in such a lovely way. So I think that's just so important. Again, that's, that's, as I, as I mentioned last time, I think I'm going to pause after my next, I'm going to do one more episode. I'm going to wrap things up for this year and I'm going to pause. And that's the end. That'll be the soon to the end of season one. But uh, that, that's just what I've been trying to do here is just provide um, as many examples I can of people that are living on purpose and doing the things that they want so that hopefully it's helpful to you as you think about what you want. And this is just a great time of the year to do that. And I'm not a big New Year's New Year's resolution kind of a person, but as we as we approach the end of one year and the beginning of another, there's a reason that almost every culture has has rituals that that acknowledge endings and beginnings of seasons. Uh winter solstice and the summer solstice and the spring and harvest you know, fall harvest and all that. And you know, so as you're thinking about what 2022 is all about, which is what I'm going to be doing as well. Um, I hope that that's one thing I may want to try to do in this, in this, in the summary episode is just kind of think back on some of the lessons I learned and pull those out for, for me and for you as we move towards whatever this next year is. So I'm so grateful for everybody that's come along with me so far on this ride and on this project. It's been fun. I'm having fun. And um, thank you all for your kind feedback and the support and help. And yeah, that's what I got. So like I said, uh, I'll do this next episode and then we'll, then we'll uh, pause and, and then I'll begin uh, season two in January. So that's what I got for today. Uh, I hope you like this. Please, please, please go check out amandaoliver.com. Look at her book. Go ahead and order that. I know you're going to like it. If you love libraries, which like she said, who doesn't? <laughs> they're, they're so vital and so important to us. And so understanding that the role that they're filling because of all these other cracks just gives us one more thing to maybe not, not necessarily be mad about, but to like, what, where, where can we help and where can we ask for help from our from our elected officials and, and then also work to be the change ourselves and supporting them in, in whatever way we can. So that's what I got. I hope that was helpful. I hope that uh, as we approach the end of this year, you'll you'll take a step back and look at your dreams, s- figure out a plan, make take some actions, and um, move toward those dreams, and enjoy your journey. Thank you so very much. Mm-hmm.